country. And uh, guys, we are at war. Do you realize that? I know on Wednesdays, you guys, you guys aren't talking to me. What's going on? Do you realize that? Uh-huh. Do you realize that? Come on, you better interact with me. Don't fall asleep on me. But we are at war. This war is a crazy one. And I see it more than maybe you guys because I go from Uganda and I come here and I'm seeing things going on that are absolutely crazy. And every time we have a victory, we get this onslaught of, uh, of people trying to rage back at us. We see this abortion thing, Roe versus Wade overturned. Can we praise God? But when that happens, what happens? They want to come at anyone who holds a stance for the life of the unborn. We are at attack. We are being attacked on every level. This is a great time to do a spiritual warfare thing because that is ultimately what's going on. We are at war. And I praise God that I get to serve in Uganda and I don't have to be bombarded quite at the same level you are being bombarded, but we're being bombarded there. This has been a very big pruning year for our ministry. Three people that I think of right now that are leaders in SOS went down, fell due to sexual sin. Our society is being bombarded in ways that are unbelievable. I think Satan is, is awakened in a way that he, and, and, and going after this world in a way he hasn't gone quite the same in, in a long time. It, it just seems to be more vicious. The, 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 teeth, the fangs of uh, the wolves are out there showing their t- fangs. And if for you to be a Christian today, it's getting more and more difficult. And what I want to do is jump in and I want to encourage you in this battle and I want to give really practical advice. Amen? That's what I want to do this morning. But before I do anything, I want to call God to aid us. Can we go before our master? Father, we come to you and we ask that you would reign this morning, that your word would come forth with clarity, with precision. Lord, that you would guide me as I proclaim your truths. Will you aid us to that end, we ask? Father, we love you. We just want you to be exalted this morning. We want your saints to be encouraged and strengthened and built up and, and, and armed for the war that they are to engage in. We love you. We commit these brethren into your hands because you are with us in the midst of this storm. And we love you and we look to you. For the praise and glory of your name we pray. Amen. I'd love for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We'll be looking at verses 16 through 23. As you turn there, let me quote from John 15, 18 through 20. Where Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were in the world, the world would love its own. But you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. 
Remember the word which I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute what? You. This same idea is communicated in 2 Timothy 3.12 where he says, All those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many want to live godly in Christ Jesus here this morning? Paul promises that you will be what? You will be what? You will be persecuted. History has proven these truths to be true. The blood, the price of truth has often been the price of blood. From the beginning of the pages of scripture all throughout, it is always talk saying that Persecution will take place for Christians. Persecution will take place for Christians. Dear brethren, it is part of our calling. Revelation 24, 21 declares that not only, I'm sorry, Matthew 24, 21 declares that not only are we going to be persecuted, but in the last days, it will be even worse. <coughs> And if, if you were studying the book of Matthew with this, you would realize that Jesus has already in this book declared this to be true. He says in Matthew 5 and 10 that people will insult you for the sake of, that Christians will be persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And people will insult you, verses 10 and 11 of chapter 5, persecute us and say all kinds of evil against us after they persecuted the prophets who were before us. Romans 8, 17 says that the sons of God and fellow heirs of Christ, that we are those if indeed we suffer with him. The great Anglican J.C. Ryle said, laughter, ridicule, opposition, and persecution... Let me say that again, laughter, ridicule, opposition, and persecution are often the reward which followers of Christ get from the world. This fact that Christians will suffer has never been hidden from the scriptures. It's been always shouted out loudly, announced to the followers of the king. And such is the case with the passage before us. Now let me give this caveat to the passage before us. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is addressing the apostles. And he's sending them out to war. Sending them out on a mission for the king and his kingdom. This is instruction given to them, given to the apostles. It is not instructions given directly to us. However, when you look at the instruction that is given, you realize that the truths of this instruction are good not only for them, but are extremely applicable even for what? For us. And so we understand that the authority of this was given to the apostles, but the same truths we can learn and glean from. And so with that, I present it to you in, as if the king were instructing you. 
Now, what I want to, this is taking place, I'm taking you right in the middle of this sermon. Before, in verses 1 through 5, we're told that the disciples were to, they were to go out and where they're not to go out. In verses 7 through 8, we're told, they're told how they are to minister when they go out. In verses 8 through 15, they're told how they are to behave while ministering. And in the passage before us, Jesus tells the, the apostles what is the nature of their mission. The what? The nature of their mission. And how they are to respond. So what I want to do is I want to show you the nature of their mission. And I think the same is true for us today. And I want to, in a very practical way, allow Jesus to instruct us on, listen, how we are to act in this war. How we are to act in this war. And I think that this is so practical and helpful to us. What I'm going to provide for you are five parts of Jesus' instruction. Now, I've organized them by pulling ideas together just for the sake of ease for us who are studying along. But I think that they'll be simple enough and helpful to you. I'm giving you five parts. Now, in the fourth part, he gives us the instruction. So don't get lost and don't you dare sleep. If you hear anyone breathing deep, you just hit them. I give you full permission. So follow along with me. There's five parts. The fourth one will give the instruction, and I guarantee you there'll be a sweet blessing for all of us as we go. Let me give you the first part of Jesus' instruction regarding this mission, and that is the condition of the mission. The condition of the mission. There are three verses in verses 16 and following that I want to draw your attention to first with me. Verse 16 says this, behold, I am sending you out as what? A little louder as what? As sheep in the midst of? Interesting. As sheep in the midst of wolves. In this verse, Jesus is giving an alarming statement. If you're hearing this, you're thinking, whoa, 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 what's going on? I'm a sheep, and you're sending me where? You're sending me where? To wolves. Sheep are the most dependent, helpless, and stupid of all domestic animals. I think he used that for a reason, calling us sheep, but I won't go there. Secondly, a wolf is the sheepest, sheep's greatest enemy. It is consistent with the wolf's nature for them to come into a flock in the field and to attack sheep, to mutilate them and devour them. So hear this statement again. 
I send you disciples out as sheep in the midst of wolves. If you hear that, you're not going, whoa, yes, awesome. Come on, bring it on. You don't say that. What you say is, oh my. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to send me, me out there? According to Jesus, that is where he is going to send his disciples. This is obviously not a place a sheep would want to go. But listen, my brethren, this is the calling to which we as ministers, those whom Christ says to go into the world and make disciples, are called to what? To go. This is the calling of every Christian. We are called to go into a hostile world of ungodly, sin-bound souls who hate the truth and love their sin. And we're called to go to them in the most loving, kind, gentle way and call them out of their sin and to the sweetness of Jesus Christ. That's the calling. We are called to go on a love mission for all those in the world and lovingly get them out of their sin that they might know the sweet path of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our calling. And we're to call them to repentance. This is the nature of our mission. This is why Paul says, in Romans 8, 36, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep led to the slaughter. Dear friends, we are powerless people. We have a powerful message and we are sustained by a powerful God. But we should never forget that we are still that we are still helpless and hopeless, that we are still vulnerable and weak. We should never forget as well how ruthless and, 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 and uh, dark the world is. They don't have a mind when it comes to these things. The, the, being confronted with truth is something that, that they hate. And their minds are so darkened in understanding that they will treat you like they treated Christ by grabbing you and throwing you on a cross if they can. Because they hate you, they hate your truth, and if you don't see that today, dear friends, I don't know what you're seeing. This is not a political battle. This is a spiritual battle. I don't know about you, I sit down with some of these people and I'm like, have you lost your mind? Like, killing babies and we're standing up to to march around to say let's kill babies like what is wrong with this well what's the problem sin controls what them right and as a result of that they are out of control and you put the truth there they will take your truth rip it up and grab your neck that's what wolves do Wolves devour, and they want to devour anyone who tells them the truth. They want to tear you to pieces. So we should never forget as you stand for this, stand for that, that we are going in the midst of what? Wolves. 
in the midst of wolves. When you look more closely at these men, you realize that the disciples of Jesus Christ were to go out despite being mistreated. Look with me in verse 17. Second passage, verse here, it says this, Beware of men, for they will devour, deliver you over to the courts and flog you in the streets. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Now you're hearing this. And as the apostles, like, are you drawn to where you're going? If I'm being sent this way, and he said, okay, over there, you're going to wolves, and they're going to drag you, and they're going to scourge you. Do you know what a scourging is? 39 lashes with a whip. Anybody signing up? Come on, well, here we go. We're going to do it right here. Nobody signs up for that. What do they do? They back up. They kind of, <laughs> thank you. Can you send him? That's the response to such language. Every city had a court system. And he's saying, you're going to be brought to the center of this court system to sit between people governing authorities, and they're going to discipline you for the sake of what? Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 21, where he gives us a third passage bringing out this principle of the condition of the mission. Verse 31 says this, fear not. Therefore, you are more valuable, sorry, 21, I apologize, 21, he says this, brother will deliver brother over to what? And the father, his what? Child. And the children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. Guys, do you hear, imagine being the disciples and saying, hey, Brother's going to rise up against brother and put you to death. This is the nature of the mission. And listen, there is nothing more painful than being betrayed by those whom you love. Nothing more painful than being persecuted by people that called you family. I think it makes me think of Ephesians I mean, sorry, Acts, the church of Ephesus, Acts 29, 21, 29, when it says, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Right among them, the people who they're calling themselves believers, they're going to come and they're going to be the wolves. Nothing more painful. In verse 22, he says that you will be hated by all. It's obviously a general statement, not that every single person will hate you. But the idea is that the general populace, you will not be liked by them. You see, we run around and we want to be liked by everyone, don't we? But to be a follower of Jesus Christ is not to be what? Liked. Can we deal with not being popular? Can we deal with the fact that we're going to be hated by the general populace? 
Because the nature of this war is they love the world and the things in the world and we as believers do not participate in them and we tell them it's sin. And if we're on mission and we're really serious about this battle, really serious about living for the king and his kingdom, then we must understand the nature or the condition of this battle. Say, Shannon, why, why are we hated? It is because you bring guilt to their lifestyle. And they want to be okay. They want to live without condemnation. And every time you come in the room, they feel guilty. And they want freedom from their what? Guilt. And that's why the Bible says, let your light what? Shine. Let it shine. Bring the guilt to them that they might come to saving faith. You see, these people in this whole homosexual agenda... What are they wanting? They're wanting to be normalized. And anytime you remind them that their lifestyle is not normal, but it is unnatural, as it says in Romans, you will be persecuted. You will be hated by all. For the sake of our families, we must declare that message. For the sake of our society. One thing I love is Africa has been living without rules for a long time. Africa's been doing what's right in their own eyes for a long time. And they're tired of it and they want out. So I come over, there's, there's a king and his way is the best. And everyone goes, oh. And they start living according to the king and you see God change a whole society and bring them to loving relationship with the master. America, we enjoy the pleasures of Christianity, the laws of Christ embedded in our constitution. And now we're trying to get them out because we don't understand what it's like to live in a lawless society. Dear friends, this is the condition of the mission. Let me give you a second part regarding the mission, and that is the cause of the persecution. The second part is the cause of the persecution. Look with me in Matthew 10, verse 18. He says this, and you will be dragged before the governors and the kings to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. And he says in verse 22, and you will be hated by all them for my what? Name's sake. For my name's sake. What is clear, yeah, verse 18, let me bring that out better. It says, you will be dragged before the governors and kings for what? My sake. My dear brethren, the cause of the persecution is not their hatred of you, but their hatred of who? I'm sorry, their hatred of who? A little louder, their hatred of who? You say, well, wait a second, they don't know who Jesus is, but listen, this is a spiritual warfare. 
And the demonic world knows exactly who Jesus Christ is. And you are a servant of Jesus Christ. And it is for sake of his name that they hate you. It's for the sake of his name that they want to belittle you and persecute you. John MacArthur says this, false religion reacts against believers because it is generated by Satan. Governments react against believers because it is under the control of the prince of the power of the ruler of this world. That's why Ephesians 6 says, for our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of the wickedness in the heavenly place. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is our captain. He is our king. He is our master. He's the one that tells us to go out and we go. And the world is Satan's. And it's filled with his followers. So the moment you join God's army, you awaken the Satan's servants against ourselves. This is why Peter calls out our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. Therefore, the persecution we receive, my dear friends, is as Paul says, they are the brand marks of Jesus they are Christ's afflictions. They are sharing in the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. Oh, dear friends, every time you're persecuted, you say, Jesus, it is for you. Jesus, it is for you. What an honor it is to be hated by the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen? Which brings us to the third part of Jesus' message, and that is the purpose of the, per the persecution. The purpose of the persecution. There's the cause, and then there's the purpose. You say, that's weird, it's okay, no problem. Let me explain the purpose more clearly. In verse 18, we've seen the fact that this mistreatment is for the sake of the testimony of, to the Jews and to the Gentiles. I find this fascinating. You're going to be dragged to bear witness before them, that is the Jew and the Gentile. My brothers and sisters, we are called to suffer for the sake of others, that we might give a testimony to the world. Jesus said, there's greater, no, greater love has no man, one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. This is the heart of missions, the heart of Christianity. You say, so what do you mean? Well, to give a testimony of Jesus Christ. You say, what do you mean? Well, a testimony is giving a living proclamation. Giving a living witness so that when somebody sees you, they go, oh. And you see, our, our message gets validated to the world as being true when we are willing to be persecuted to make it known. 
when we're willing to be persecuted, then they go, wow, they must really what? Believe. It must really be true. It bears witness or it validates our claim. The world knows we truly believe when we're willing to endure persecution for the sake of it. Our testimony, my brothers and sisters, never shines brighter than when faced with suffering. Our testimony must go forth. The testimony about Christ must go forth. And, but it will come at a cost. And listen, the cost will be yourself. Important principle to remember that we should never forget is that those persecuting us are not the enemy. They're not the enemy. They are the mission field. Those who are persecuting us are not the what? They are the mission field. And we are living for the sake of the testimony before them. And what God does with that testimony is up to our master. We lay it at his feet. But it's easy in the midst of being beat on and beat on and maligned to say, oh, I'm going to get you. Hey, you want some of me? I'll get you. Right? That's the reaction. But Jesus says, when they hate you, you to what? Love them. When they're unkind, you're to pray for them. Because they're not the enemy. They're the mission field. But it's for the sake of a testimony. And when you go through these things, know that your kids are watching. Know that your neighbors are watching. Sometimes I, I realize that my life is bigger than just my own little world. It's for the sake of everybody to look on, everybody to be encouraged, everybody to, to be inspired. Come on, let's go. And let the Lord do what he wants with that testimony. But we must leave the what? The testimony. And when persecution comes, everybody looks up, huh? How's he going to respond? Fourth part of this message is the advice, the advised reaction to the persecution. The advised reaction. And this is where I want to get your attention the most. The advised reaction. Jesus gives five pieces of instruction to his disciples in the midst of him throwing them to the wolves. And this is so practical and so helpful for us. I want you to see it clearly. Take notes so that you can remind yourself of these things later. We know that God takes care of us in the midst of the storm, but there still is a human responsibility we have as we go out into battle. The first thing that he advises is found in verse 16. Look at it with me. After saying that I'm sending you out in the midst of wolves, he says this, so be what? Everybody, so be what? Thank you. Be wise as, as serpents. The second thing we can see there 
as also as and be what? Innocent as doves. Be wise as serpents is the first advice. I think this is awesome. In the ancient world, ser- serpents symbolized wisdom. They were considered to be shrewd, smart, cunning, cautious. And in that same way, Jesus is saying, you emulate they, those same characteristics. You be smart. The basic idea, according to one preacher, is that of saying the right thing at the right time and the right place. Of having a sense of propriety, that is good manners and appropriateness. And of trying to discover the best means to achieve the highest goal. It is neither wise nor loving to be needlessly accusatory or inflammatory. When the Pharisees attempted to trap Jesus into either defending or condemning the Roman government by asking him about paying taxes to Caesar, he did not take the occasion to vilify Caesar or the Roman government, vile, debauched, unjust, and ungodly as they were. Nor did he condemn them condemn their wickedness. He replied simply, render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that are God's. It is neither, listen, it is neither brave nor wise and neither spiritual nor loving to needlessly incite anger or court trouble. That is really helpful. Listen here. The, good, the lesson to be learned here is this. Sometimes we equate being bold in our faith with being stupid. Are we together? Being bold is being abusive. I got him this time. I told him. According to Jesus, boldness does not run out wildly or emotionally and attack those opposing. Rather, it thinks and makes a calculated move. Paul said this, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders making the most of the opportunity, Colossians 4, 5. Brethren, I, I, when I watch the Christian world, and whether it's Black Lives Matter or whatever, or this abortion thing, sometimes I, I, I get curious, I get interested. How are they going to respond? And we must respond. We must stand up for these things, but it's how we do it. Sometimes we go out and, and I, I'm not going to do immunizations. I, I'm not going to, you know, and like we lose our job over things that aren't even Christian. And we're trying to be bold, and I think that's wonderful. It has its place and and all of those. But listen to the advice being given here. Be what? Wise. This is a brutal world. Sinners hate you. So be wise. Don't go out needlessly. Don't go out in a way that's so crazy because you're going to get killed. It makes me often think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you don't go and tell the emperor he's in sin. He already knows that. Or you're going to get your head cut off. 
Now, there are people who have that mission, and, and i happy have you. And I think, I think, honestly, I have a brother who's involved in this abortion thing, and he's bolder than me. I praise the Lord for his stand for life. But I want to even tell him and all of us, listen, listen, listen. Be wise. There's a time to stand. Make sure when you stand and when you're persecuted, you do it at the right time in the right way. Don't go on a kamikaze crusade, suicide mission, needlessly. Amen? And these are going to cause you to think later, hopefully in your own life, of how you stand at work and what you do. You're to stand, but do it with wisdom. Second piece of advice given here is be harmless or innocent as doves. Doves represent purity or innocence. This is referring to the lifestyle of the messenger. And that is that they need to be pure, righteous. That is, listen, brothers and sisters, avoid negative attitudes. Avoid wrong, sinful approaches. It involves positive attribute of purity. Godly wisdom has no part in anything that is impure, deceitful, or defiling. We're not like the world. We play by the rules. Because we're not leading a revolt. We're leaving a testimony. We're not leading a revolt. We're leaving a what? Testimony. Therefore, we are to live a testimony of righteousness, of purity, of godliness. That's the goal. We are to love our enemies and do good to those who hate us. And like Jesus, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. That is, calm others down. We must represent our message as Paul did. And not come from error or impurity by way of deceit. Our behavior must validate our truth, not invalidate it. Therefore, we must live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I say this because it's a reminder. Listen, when you're losing your job for righteousness sake, you can't cuss out your boss. Right? It kind of invalidates that thing. But this is what often happens is because it happens for the very first time where now persecution is coming and we don't know how to respond, honestly. The way you respond is calm yourself down. Look at the face of the persecution. Smile. And say, for you, O Christ. And just be silent. Sharing in the wisest way, the truth about Jesus Christ. Amen? These are helpful reminders. Thirdly, third advice given is in verse 17, we must be watchful. Look at verse 17, beware of what? Beware of men. Beware. Mankind, especially sinful mankind, are not nice. They're not what? You guys are getting tired on me. Come on now. 
They're not nice. They're not kind. Remember, these men are Satan's agents. Not for your good, but for your destruction. Literally, they will be on guard, be watchful, be uh, perceptive. In essence, Jesus is calling them to understand the nature of these men and be proactive to guard yourself against what might happen. Notice something, though. You're still to go. Don't you be cowardly and run the other way, you wimp chicken. Go the way. Go. Get out there. Right? I'm just playing. But go, go, but go what? Watchfully. You know, see, the tendency is go. You're going to be sent out in the wolves, so the goal is to go this way, not this way. But no, if you're going to go, you're going to go what? Watchfully. Carefully. In Matthew 7, 6, Jesus tells his disciples to not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. In essence, you are to be wise in who you address with the truth. Some will want it, others will attack you. Beware, know the nature of those who you are going to minister, but go with wisdom and on guard. Are we together? Are you ready for the fourth piece of advice? Let, fourth. Did you miss the third or where were you? So we had one, be wise. Two, be innocent as a dove. Three, be watchful. Are we together? Don't lose you. We're together. Come on, number four. We must not worry. <laughs> we must not. I find this to be so funny. Verse 19. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious. Is that not hilarious? Come on, someone laugh for me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, do not be anxious. I find that really fu funny. He says this repeatedly. Look at verse 26. So have no fear of them. You're like, what? In the middle of verse 20, he says, Rather fear him who destroys, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Don't fear them. Verse 31. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Interesting how repeatedly, even though you're going to wolves, he tells you not to what? Fear. Here's the advice. Don't worry. Oh, dear friends, is this not beautiful? You are like a sheep going the, to before ravelous wolves. Beware, but don't worry. Instead of worrying, what are you to do? Rest in God. Rest in God. Rest in his provisions. Rest in his character. <laughs> I tell you, my mission in Uganda is crazy. It's absolutely crazy. You go into a pagan society and you go and tell them about Jesus, you're going to get it from every single direction, every direction. And you're going to get it from very friends that you love. 
These truths are so important, and I can't tell you how I just say, God, help me be godly for the next 15 minutes. After those 15 minutes, the next 15 minutes. And you stop really worrying about day two or day, day one. You know, you're just the next 15 minutes. Let me rest in you and find myself resting in you so the testimony can be of the praise of the glory of our master. God has taken care of us every step of the way. It's easy to get ahead and, and start thinking, well, when I get out there, I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, you know, and you start overwhelming yourself. You just take the next step resting in the Lord. The next step resting in the Lord. Don't fear. Because you're right in the center of God's hand. I love that song we just sang. And thank you, my brother, for singing it. Awesome. Don't worry. Just take the next step. I won't abandon you in this critical hour. Rather, I will fill you with the needed words for the moment. Rest, my dear brothers, in God. Remember Psalm 23 in the midst of the trial that says, even though you walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I fear what? I fear no evil. For why? For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they what? Surely, you, you prepare before me a table in the presence of my enemies, and surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. You rejoice in your shepherd, rest in his care. Listen, we don't know what the next hours for the church are here in America, do we? We have no idea. You're in Texas, and I understand, like, we're cool here. <laughs> but we have no idea. I saw a quick headline that the president, and I don't know if it's true, that he overruled giving an executive order or something. You think they're going to stop? <laughs> All we did was inflame the enemy. And they wanna, they're going to go, and they're going to go until nobody is allowed to speak the truth. I heard of this whole thing in Canada where if you condemn them, it's some sort of psychological counseling, I forget what they call it. There's going to get a day when they're going to attack your pastor. And that's probably already happened. They're going to attack this church. Smile and don't fear. Rest in God. Don't worry. God will help you and give you the words. The last piece of advice given here, and we're almost done, is really interesting. Look with me in verse 23. He tells you this. When they persecute you in one town, what does he say? Flee to the what? Flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of God comes. This mission is till the Son of God what? Comes. And what is he saying here when persecution become so severe in one place so that you can no longer minister effectively, do this, leave it, and go to the next place. Remember, this is instruction to the apostles, but there's a principle here. The principle is clear that our mission is not a suicide mission. We're not going into the middle of Iraq and screaming, Jesus will save you. 
Persecution is never to be sought. It's just to be endured. It's not a badge we are seeking to put on. We're not seeking to intentionally bring it upon ourselves. But we're to be wise. And if the persecution is so severe, stop. Pick up your message and go to the next place. That next city will probably want those precious truths. So move to the next place. We are not called to be afraid. We are not called to be unwise either. But as you look at the book of Acts you see that God often leads his will through the persecution. You're going this way, persecution comes, and you pivot and go this way. And it's there where God wants you to minister. First years in Uganda <laughs> were so hard. If anything can go wrong, it did those first years. I'm so thankful for this church being with me in those early days. But I knew I was right in the center of God's will and we moved from this place with all these circumstances surrounding it. Even the Anglican church saying that I preached homosexuality and was going after me in my own name and credibility and I just said let me live godly another day or for another godly moment for another moment. Be faithful right here until the Lord moves me to the next place. He moved me to a small village called Kupamitwe. And it was there that he wanted me. It was there that he wanted me to minister, to proclaim his name. And my dear friends, after 16 years of being in Uganda, I can tell you I praise God for being in Kubamitwe today. If they push you from here to here, don't worry. God is leading you to where he wants you, and he's preparing you along the way. So embrace persecution and let it be used to guide you into God's perfect will. My brothers and sisters, these instructions given to disciples, I believe are instructions that are very helpful for us even today. Let me show you the last or the end or the fifth point part of his mission, and that is this, the end result of the persecution. The end result of the persecution. And let this be an encouragement to your own heart. In verse 22, he says this, and you will be hated all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the what? The one who endures to the end will be what? Will be what? Will be what? Can someone go, woohoo? Come on, you're from Texas. You should do that. I mean, not you know, that, that sounds like a dead bird. But whoa! Listen, yeehaw. That sounds like a donkey. You see, listen, in the midst of persecution, there's no words that are sweeter. Because it's hard out there. But the end result of it is what? 
a salvation waiting to be given. I love what Paul said, the glories or the, 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 the persecution of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glories that are to come. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glories that are to come. You know what persecution will do? It will prove to your own self that you're truly a believer. When you stand, find yourself standing there against all odds, it will prove to your soul that, look, I am born again. Who would do what I'm doing? No one unless the Spirit of God, Christ himself, were in you. That's why in Matthew 13, 21, he speaks of how people during persecution, they ran and they fell away from the truth. But those who belong to Jesus Christ, we endure because God in, hel- in us helps us go through the pains of persecution because we're held by the love of God. My dear brothers and sisters, we're living in crazy days, are we not? Are we not? This is nothing new. This is the way it's always been. In the midst of the battle, keep going. Keep fighting. Keep resting in our Lord Jesus Christ. You got this battle. But never forget in the midst of it, we have a salvation awaiting us. And let me tell you, I'm ready. You know, in the midst of the battle, you're like, oh my goodness, first of all, this thing's getting big and crazy. Is it worth it? I mean, what about this or what about that? Listen, we're not to sit around and stop till Jesus comes. That's like the people waiting for the bridegroom who sit down and sleep for a while, right? Some are saying, well, economics, I mean, what happens here? Look, I'm in a mission field, so i got to think economics all the time. What if there's an economic crash and I'm out there in the middle of Africa? I think of those things. How's our money? How are we going to have money? How are we going to do this? I don't know, and I don't have to worry about it. I need to be faithful yet another what? Day. And I want to be found running. Don't you? Don't you? My brothers and sisters, we are at battle, but we're serving our master. Leave a testimony of praise to our king. Amen? Let me close this in a word of prayer. Father, we pray that your words to the apostles so long ago will encourage these saints here. Help us to be wise. Help us to be innocent. Help us to flee when we need to flee. Father, we need your wisdom for these days. Thank you for giving it. Thank you for putting on flesh and coming and giving us wisdom for living. I want to pray that you would be with these brethren that they would be on mission. That they would be aggressively in their communities, in the lives of people around them, sharing with them the hope and joy 
of following you. Father, we love you, and we just commit these brethren into your hands. For the praise, glory of your name we pray. Amen. Let me say this as I sit down and Ken sits over me. Uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you're not even on a mission, you're like just kind of wandering out there, can I tell you this? There is a king. His name is Jesus Christ. He sits over this throne right now, on a throne over this world right now. And he asks that you bend the knee and follow him with all that you have for all that he is. And I would call you, don't be of this world, but be transformed out of this world and into the kingdom of his son. And if you've not been transformed in the kingdom of his son, please come to the elders, come to me, and let's talk about how you can be set free from sin and be born under the spirit of God so that you can be a servant of our master with us. We love you and we praise God for this privileged opportunity. Thank you.